Let's jump right into our headlines. Game Manual Zero, a community source guide for FTC, has released their newest iteration, which now includes a glossary, robot gallery, and award descriptions. The Game Manual Zero team has been working hard to improve the quality of both the manual and the website. This community resources uh, can be helpful to teams, veterans, uh, or rookies, all alike. So uh, what do you guys think of this? Yeah, uh, we... Go ahead. Sure. So I know that Game Manual Part Zero has always been a huge resource, not just for my team, but any team that we start mentoring or work with, I always make sure to put that name out there because it's definitely one of the most comprehensive guides in all of FTC. Yeah, I think having a robot gallery is something that's pretty cool. Uh, I know, especially when I was on a younger team, looking at some of the top robots from previous years was how I gained inspiration for the mechanical designs. So having that is definitely something useful. And we had uh, Game Manual Part Zero on earlier, so make sure to check out our YouTube yeah. archive for that if you want to learn more about them. And I am a contributor, so I'm kind of biased, <laughs> but check it out. Uh, it's good. All right, and now we're moving on to the XRC Ultimate Gold Simulator Tournament. It's happening this Saturday, September 19th. The Ultimate Goal game was released in the simulator earlier this week. I think it was released on the day of kickoff or the day after kickoff. They were really quick about getting that done. And so the deadline to sell, sign up for this tournament is tonight. It's going to be a good way to see how this game could be played throughout the season and make up some strategies. You guys going to do it? Um, uh, probably not, but I will definitely tune in. And yeah. I think it's insane how like quickly they got it out. Um, and I don't know if we'll see it necessarily reflected in the real competition, but I will definitely be interested <laughs> to see. Yeah, I remember, I I don't have the skills to do it, <laughs> but <laughs> I remember watching it last time and it was just a huge blast. And I think it was a lot of fun for everyone watching and competing. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think you could calculate some cycle time approximations and how scoring could work. Uh, so definitely look out for that. It's gonna be exactly like the real game, especially all the glitches that happen. <laughs> yep so on another note an alumni of FTC team 7129 the Robo Raiders created an amazing diagram depicting the shooting positions for scoring the rings as you may know there's a restriction of not being able to shoot rings more than 16 feet the diagram up on the screen right now shows the ranges from which you can score the rings assuming that the shooter is at max height on your robot so feel free to check out the details of how the diagram works in the comment section of that reddit post yeah, I found this kind of interesting. Like, I know they changed the limitations for length of shooting and launching elements, and I didn't realize how much of an effect this would have on the game until there was some Reddit post about if you mounted a shooter on the ground, uh, you couldn't really shoot because then you wouldn't be in the launch ground. So I like the clarifications and how they use a lot of physics in this. Uh, definitely something that teams should look into when designing their own robot. Yeah, definitely. I know I was talking to some refs in the Virginia, Maryland area, and what I was hearing a lot of is that that 16 feet rule might be up for change. So it is definitely an iffy rule. And it's also really hard to measure because you can never really be sure if, you know, no ref can just stand there and be like, oh, that was 16.2 feet. So <laughs> it's it's definitely like one of those rules that's pretty uh, pretty subjective. Yeah, uh, so going over to the new Rev hardware client, uh, which allows the team to update the firmware on a control hub or expansion hub over USB rather than Wi-Fi. In addition, Rev's new client allows the team to access both blocks and onboard Java directly from uh, their service, this client. Uh, 
So this tool will definitely be useful for teams this coming up upcoming season uh, with the further adoption of the control hub, which is now legal everywhere. So um, question, are you guys going to be using the control hub? Um, and if so, will you be using this hardware client? I think I'm def I think we're definitely going to make the switch to a control hub. I mean, from all that I've heard about it, it's definitely worth the switch. So it's definitely something to look into. And I think we're probably going to be making that switch sometime soon. Um, I know that we're kind of used to the whole expansion of systems, so I'm not quite sure if it's worth the the extra money and the the whole getting used to it part. But I think it's definitely something that's worth looking into, especially if you're a newer team or if you don't have expansion hubs. Yeah, yeah I mean, so. with the expansion hub, the main problem was USB disconnects, right? And this pretty much eliminates that. So if there's any way to make your robot more reliable, this is it. Like any rookie team watching, don't use USB, just switch over to the expansion hub. Um, I cannot trust that enough. Don't buy anything that's just the expansion hub, switch over to the control hub. Uh, highly recommend that um, because it's going to make a difference. Uh, the Rev hardware client is nice because it seems like a better version of their old Rev hub interface, which was a little bit buggy and was a little hard to control. Um, I think you cannot use the Rev hardware client with um, phones, uh, as somebody asked in the chat, Infinite Awesome Stu Awesomeness Studio asked in the chat, um, but don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure that they will be keeping the Rev Hub interface with um, for people using phones and just the expansion hubs, but just not the control Just real quick hub. comment. We, we had that issue with the uh, FTC University Challenge uh, where we wanted to use it, and then we were using a phone and then discovered that we couldn't use it. So, yes, can, can confirm. Uh, and someone said that uh, their team used it last year and it's worth it by a long shot and they didn't have any disconnects the whole year. So clearly there's some positive experiences with it. And uh, I know that my team will most likely uh, be transitioning it over to it. We already bought ours. So it seems like a good investment. Yeah. I mean, FIRST has done two years of beta testing on this and they have first global which has been testing yeah. this for the past three years so i don't see i don't think that there's going to be an issue about whether it's reliable or not i think the issue is just money for teams but if you can scrap together the money rather than buying um like i don't know a nice set of mechanic wheels uh go with a six-wheel drive and put a control hub on because you're like going to have a better time at competitions not disconnecting yeah um so this was a pretty big announcement. It happened a little bit before kickoff, so it was kind of swamped in all the other news. Um, but on September 8th, first announced that both the Houston and Detroit championships would be pushed back to later in the summer, with Houston happening in mid-July and Detroit happening in early August. This allows the competition season to be pushed back till June, and some FRC programs have already announced that they will be having events in June. What do you guys think about these changes with the extended season? I mean, definitely one of the biggest things for me is that I know that already some people like season starting in September, right? Most people get bored of the season or they get like, you know, kind of done with it by May or June by the time Worlds is typically a thing and even MTI. But after that, most people like kind of die away from the that whole season and want to move on to the next season. So it's definitely a really weird feeling being like just three or four weeks away from the next season. And then now you have, boom, here's Worlds. So it's it, it's going to be kind of weird to adapt to. Another thing is now there's like no off season. So a lot of teams that do a lot of work during the off season to improve their strategy or improve their uh, design and stuff and just work on some fun projects, they now don't have that. Or it's going to be difficult to incorporate that now. Yeah, I think with the longer season, it's going to lead, uh, you know, some teams would have 
will be able to have a lot more time developing that robot uh, further than what they would usually be able to um, in the previous season length. Um, I do feel it's a bit necessary, you know, just with the current situation in the world. Um, but personally, I, I think I am looking forward to it. The only thing I don't like is that by the time Worlds will happen, I will be... I won't even be in high school, so I'll just be like an old yeah. man at that point. Uh, <laughs> Peter, will you will that, you compete in Worlds if given the opportunity? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I mean, they have announced that anybody that was a senior uh, in the the season will be allowed to compete at Worlds. Um, I know for college students, it makes it easier because we don't have to get out of finals uh, to attend Worlds. Um, but one of the things that I thought could be a problem with this is burnout like burnout is real in ftc i know i've suffered from it and a lot of other people have suffered from it and going all the way till the beginning of august that gives you less than 30 days to kick off right so going back to back i did that when i had to do first global one summer and that was not a fun time just because you're constantly working and well yeah it's fun to work be careful of burnout take care of yourself yeah that, that's definitely one of the biggest things. Um, so moving on to something really close to this season, uh, there is rather an interesting software challenge this year during the autonomous period. So teams have to determine if there are zero, one, or four rings in a stack uh, and position the wobble goal uh, in a certain zone according to whether there's zero, one, or four rings. Uh, FTC team 9794 with exe made an amazing video on how programmers can go about programming this aspect of the challenge using computer vision to accurately detect which of the three possibilities are in place. So I highly recommend you guys check that video out. And uh, Ishan, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, so this is just like in the past, our team has always like there's all these robots in three days. But we find that prototyping software in the first three days helps out a lot more than prototyping hardware because you need time for hardware. While software, you already have the infrastructure set up from the off-season or previous seasons. So getting something working is a lot easier. And then it makes you so then you can spend more time on that hardware to get it more precise. So um, that's why we made this. And we like sharing what we've done. Um, and the team. So this is just one way to detect the rings. There are going to be multiple ways. I know that first is going to implement TensorFlow into their um, into their SDK. So we'll be looking to see how that performs. In the past, the first solutions haven't always been the best due to slowness or inaccuracies. Um, and so this is just a draft model on how you can do it. Yes, there's probably room for improvement, um, but. I think I think it's a good start, especially for rookie teams that want to learn about computer vision. So, so I think speaking of uh, software, we got an interesting question in the chat from the Real Simpleton. Uh, they're asking how uh, how software people might go about shooting while you're moving or shooting from anywhere. Just you know, how do you line up? How do you line yourself up for shots uh, using software? And I think that's actually a really, really good question. I know in my team, uh, we've been talking a lot about using those navigation targets and trying to uh, use any images that we can to really orient ourselves and also maybe using some, some type of uh, position tracking software. But that's a really, really good point. Yeah, I think one of the problems with uh, shooting, like you saw uh, the person in the chat is referring to the gluten-free, like moving and shooting from anywhere. Um, yeah. In that video, they weren't shooting from anywhere. They were shooting from one position. They would just move to that one position every single time. Um, 
one of the things with shooting from anywhere is you have to have the hardware to do it. You have to be able to build a turret. You have to be able to build an angle adjuster for these rings. And that's not the easiest thing to do. I think yeah. there are ways to auto-align yourself. You press a button, it auto-aligns, and it shoots. And I think that's more accessible now that they've got Vumark targets literally everywhere. But um, unless you have the hardware expertise, I wouldn't try to shoot from anywhere. All right, and now we've got first. They recently reshared a post from a team on their Instagram story in order to advertise their new guidelines for teams meeting throughout COVID. In the photo, there is at least one student not wearing a mask, and there are people giving high fives to each other. I know our producer Tyler had some stuff to say about this. Uh, yeah, I'll just jump in. This is something I, I saw posted on Chief Delphi. Uh, and uh, wow, major fail. Some interns getting fired here because. Uh, this is obviously not what first should be conveying to teams uh, for things. Um, the story is not available anymore, so I'm not sure if it either expired or if first took it down. Uh, but, you know, one, you know, I'm, I don't want to rag on the team. I, teams can make their own decisions, I guess, for that stuff, whatever. But first, who literally just came out saying, you know, uh, make sure you're doing safe practices, make sure you're doing the things, and then puts this on their Instagram story is a major <laughs> fail uh, in first part. And, and usually we're not... You know, we're critical of first for different reasons. Usually uh, this one's a little bit different, but uh, a social media person who runs first official uh, might need to rethink a few things in the future. Yeah. Any thoughts from you guys? I mean, meeting in general is just a little bit of a struggle. So I'm curious to see how teams will come up with doing that. Uh, but yeah, that social media fail is kind of a... Uh, I think... I think there are some teams where it can work. And I'm say, I'm not saying that teams should not wear a mask or should wear a mask. I'm saying that in some scenarios, it may be safe for them to not wear a mask and not social distance. And in some scenarios, it will be very heavily recommended that they wear a mask and they social distance. And so it's not first role to show what teams should and shouldn't do. They should promote safety. And yeah. that could be promoting unsafe practices yeah that's just why i want to but that's why i'm not ragging on the team because i don't know the team situation yeah. or anything like that but i know what first is said and first should be standing behind what they're saying exactly right. yeah thanks for watching if you want more fun content be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to be notified about our latest videos thanks to all of our co-executive producers on patreon and tier 2 plus subscribers on twitch keeping fun loud live and independent